1: So Merry Christmas, everyone, everyone watching through the live stream as well. We're excited about this season and what's to come. I have a big question. How many of you already started your Christmas shopping? A little bit. All right. How many of you have not started at all? All right. Like now, without question, I know that so many times in the season, I know I've been telling Jen, For like the last month, I was like, we have to start early. I don't like last minute shopping. I don't like last minute traffic. I don't like to show up at the mall and see everyone there. And we all know that Amazon is not as fast as it used to be. I, I remember back in the day, you used to order something that same day, you would come and see it right by the door. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's like Amazon is like uh, a great gift. But at the same time now, when you order, even if it's same days, sometimes it comes the day after or it comes a couple of days later. So we know it's not as accurate. But what happens is, When you don't shop early enough and you wait too close to Christmas, what ends up being the Christmas gifts? Whatever's left. Gift cards ends up being a very popular thing. You'll go to Walgreens and just start getting gift cards for each person. But we don't end up getting, or, and how I know it was mentioned, whatever's left, you'll you go. And it's like, even, it's funny because we, my wife and I, we went to Hobby Lobby yesterday. And I know a lot of you probably like Hobby Lobby on Route 22. We went there, there there's like almost no Christmas stuff. Like, it's like, a, most of it is like wiped out. And we were talking to someone and we asked them, when do we like should come? The best time they literally said the first day in November, like the beginning of November is when it's stocked and the shopping begins. So we just to show us that we could easily be late for these things. And what happens when we're late? We don't end up getting the perfect gift because we want, we want to get a good gift for someone. You just don't want to get a gift. So I just thought it would be a little interesting for us to highlight a couple of our pastors, and for us to guess what would be a perfect gift for them. So without putting something on the screen yet, nothing on the screen yet, for Pastor Diana, what would you buy for Pastor Diana as a Christmas gift? What? Coffee? Dunkin' Donuts? A a little... A gift card. All right, she likes the gift card. What else? Flowers. A coffee cup. Yo, Marianne, yeah. A day planner. Oh, because she's, bit, you want to remind her of work? She has a tough boss. So so all of a sudden, so Pastor Diana, if you're looking for the perfect gift for her, it would be, it's right behind me, right there, a nice cup of coffee An endless supply of coffee to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. That would be the greatest gift you could buy for Pastor Diana. For Pastor Debbie, what would be a great gift to buy? A perfect gift for Pastor Debbie. Uh, Let's guess. A tennis racket. Sneakers. Pick a ball. A box of chocolate. You can't go wrong with a box of chocolate. What else? What else? Up there. Anything? A teapot, all right, Vince. A book. Uh, she loves to read. For Pastor Debbie, a a bagel. Someone said a, a vase with flowers in it. Of course, right. So, so the perfect gift for Pastor Debbie is an endless supply of pickle, free pickleball tournaments. So, for those of you that don't know, Pastor Debbie loves loves to play pickball. For Pastor Harold, Pastor Harold, what would be a perfect gift for Pastor Harold? A piano scarf. So instead of watch, what what did we say, Ashley? A piano scarf, an endless supply of piano. Every single day, he'll be wrapped up in in, uh, in piano scarves. All right, anyone anyone in the top? A bigger watch, a big watch, all right? He'll be like Flavor Flav. We'll get him a Flavor Flav watch. All right, what else? What else? Potato chips. You're trying to make him break his diet. All right, for Pastor Harold, the perfect gift would be an endless endless supply of watches. So we will, let me tell you something. I'm going to get him a Flavor Flav watch and one... One Sunday, he's going to come with that Flavor Flavor watch. <laughs> so that's endless supply of watches. He loves watches. And lastly, for me, like, what do you think is a perfect gift for Pastor Car- Carlos? They said General South chicken. Endless supply of Chinese food. A puppy. Yeah, let me tell you. Oh, man, a puppy. That's a good one. Yeah, yesterday we were on Route 22, we we're by Shake A Paw. I was like, Jen, turn towards in Shake A Paw. Turn the car into Shake All All right, anything else? What? Sprinkles. I love sprinkles. But it has to come with vanilla ice cream. Yeah, yeah, vanilla ice cream. For me, the perfect gift would be an endless supply of Chinese food right there. I love Chinese food, so definitely that would be a perfect gift. So imagine being in the position where you have to buy the perfect gift for every single person that ever lived and also that's going to live and that's currently living. Like imagine having that challenge that it's one gift for all of them. It has to be the perfect gift. But we also know, too, it's a gift that they need, not necessarily that they want. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up when I was little, I, I remember Christmas many times, and my parents would give me gifts, and I'll be excited. As a kid, what did I want as a gift? I wanted toys, <laughs> the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. I wanted wrestling men, or I wanted toys. And I remember opening the the, the gifts. I would open it up. I see all of a sudden, I see a scarf. Like, I I want a scarf as a kid. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, I'll see glove. All of a sudden, I see tidy whities It's like, why are they giving me tidy whities as a gift? Like, you you know how it is. And if you're a parent here, you know you do that. So, you know, enhance the amount of gifts the kids get. All of a sudden, it's like, why am I opening so many different things? So, all of a sudden... We know what it means to get a gift that you need versus a gift that you want. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the perfect gift. Not necessarily the one that everyone wanted, but it was definitely the gift that everybody wanted. Needed, and it's the perfect gift not for every person that's ever lived, that's currently living, and will live in the future as well. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, I'm going to bring you back where there's this the announcement from the angel, and we also get to see how this perfect gift is described. In Luke chapter 2, verse starting at verse 8, it says this. good news and great joy. When Jesus comes into your life, it's good news and it brings great joy. It says in verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And then he said, this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on the earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Imagine being there at that moment, being one of the shepherds, hearing the announcement, and at the same time being surrounded by the angels, as they declare this statement, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Without question, it's the greatest gift that we could ever have is Jesus. The apostle Paul, through the scriptures, so many times he'll burst out to acknowledge it, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9.15, it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I li- the Apostle Paul says it's impossible to describe what it means to have this gift of Jesus. I love the New Living Translation, the way it's worded. It says, thank God for this gift, too wonderful, for words. Too wonderful for words. Like there's nothing that we could say in words to describe the amazing gift that Jesus is. Have you ever bought a gift for someone and the, and the person that you bought it for knows that you bought it, let's say. Let's say they know that and they want you to spill the beans and tell them what it is. I don't know. Has that ever happened to you? That happens to me all the time. I'm not going to say with who, with Jen. Um, if you don't know this about Jen, Jen doesn't like surprises. She'll tell you. She doesn't like surprises. So if I say, look, I have a surprise for you. I bought you something. You say, like, what is it? What is it? You got to tell me. And what I usually do, I'll drop hints because I like doing surprises and giving surprises. I just love doing that. She hates getting surprises. So I found the in-between. I'll give you some hints of what's to come. And she's pretty good. Sometimes she guesses like what, what I'm planning to with the hints. But I want us to realize with the greatest gift that we've ever received, which is Jesus, through the scriptures in the Old Testament, you could say there's over 300 hints of what is to come. There's over 300 hints of what is to come because Jesus wanted his people to know, hey, there's a promise that there's a king that's coming. There's going to be victory on the way. And he didn't want to spill all the beans at one time, you could say, but he would give hints throughout. And maybe even at that time, it didn't make sense when people heard the hints. There were prophetic words pointing at the Messiah to come. And what's amazing with Jesus is that Jesus fulfilled all of the prophetic words about him in the Old Testament. So think about it, if it was over 300, and let's just say 300 just to keep it easier. Let's say 300, what are the chances of someone being able to fulfill 300 prophetic words while he's here on this earth? It's almost as if I had 300 puzzle pieces and I throw them up in the air and expect them to land on the ground and they're perfectly connected and you see a picture there, what are the chances of that do, uh, happening? It's impossible, especially if I'm throwing it, it's not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to happen. So it's impossible for that to happen. It has to be miraculous. It has to be a move of God. It has to be God in the background orchestrating and moving things into place for that fulfillment to occur, and It did for the greatest, greatest gift ever. In John chapter five, verses 39 to 40, Jesus is speaking to some Jewish leaders and he says this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, these are the very um, scriptures that testify about me yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I highlight this verse because Jesus was pretty much saying clearly to them, it's like these scriptures testify and they speak about who Jesus is. So here as we realize that there's 300 hints, over 300 in the Old Testament pointing at Jesus, all of these prophetic words point directly to Jesus, and Jesus is pretty much telling the Jewish leaders, it's like, look, they testify of who I am. And all these years you've been waiting for me to come, like, surprise, I'm it. (laughs) Like, I'm the gift you've been waiting for. And you don't even realize it, even though the 300 hints throughout history always pointed this way. Today, we're going to focus on three of these hints, you could say, prophecies. One of them is a sign. Another one is about a location. And the third one is a purpose. The first one, a sign. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says this in verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. How many of us have heard that before, that verse? We've heard it mostly probably, not so much reading it in the book of Isaiah, but we've read it in the gospels and we're gonna get to that in the book of Matthew. So here we, we see a, a situation where there's a prophet, Isaiah, and prophets back in the day, they would pronounce judgment, pretty much very candid, very straightforward, addressing the issues of what's happening at that time. But in the midst of it, all of a sudden what they'll end up doing is that they'll give hope and promise to what's to come. So it's almost like, Let me beat you up a little bit, (laughs) like, you know, in a holy way, like, you know, like God, like the pow, pow, you know, like give me a little pow, pow. But then it's like, but there's hope in the future. There's promise as well. But what's interesting is that all of a sudden, I just want you to picture prophets and like Isaiah. It's like he's speaking on something, let's say, that's happening in that time period or what's happening. Then all of a sudden as if the, t- the topic changes a little bit, and then all of a sudden things are being said that fully doesn't make sense at that moment. But it was hints of, hey, something is coming along that's going to be beyond your greatest dream. So here, what's happening with the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to King Ahaz. So while he's speaking to King Ahaz, what's happening there with him is that literally he's being threatened personally and the nation's being threatened and he's being tempted to make alliances with other people that don't love and care about God, don't honor God. So he's tempted to find security with other people and not security with God. So the prophet here, he comes, he speaks to him, pretty much addressing everything that's happening. And all of a sudden, while he's speaking to, here in this verse, in verse 14, he says to King Ahaz, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay? And then he says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So imagine if you're the king at that moment. We're like, what? Sign? A virgin? Conceive? Did it really make too much sense to him at that moment? No, it, like it didn't make sense to him at all at that moment with what was being said and something that's interesting. And I know like we've probably done it. Maybe, maybe you know someone that does it. I know sometimes I do it because my brain is always thinking sometimes like a couple steps ahead. Like if you're in conversation with someone, talking to someone, and all of a sudden the gears shift a little bit and you start talking about something else that doesn't maybe make complete sense to the person at that moment, but it makes sense in your head Mm -hmm. (laughs) at that moment, if that makes any type of sense of what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) So, So here you have this, and then all of a sudden, this is being said. Now, something that's interesting, though, Is while the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the king, he addresses in the beginning, he says, he addresses the house of David. So while he's prophesying, dropping the hint, he's of course speaking to the king, but it's so much deeper and more profound. He's speaking about the house of David, about the king that's going to reign in the future. And he's dropping that hint for them to know. There's a point I want you to realize, and it's behind me. It says this, when God speaks to you, he sees more than you could ever have imagined. When he speaks to you, he sees more than what you could ever have imagined. There's people here that have received prophetic words before, or maybe God that He's revealed something to you. So many times we want answers or the fulfillment of it. When? Yeah, like not like in a week from now, 10 weeks from now, 10 years from now, 100 years. No, 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 no. We want things to happen now. Now. And what happens is when God shares words with us, sometimes it'll address what's happening in your life now But sometimes it it might not just not even be for you. It might be for your children. It might be for your children's children. Think about it. When he was addressing, the prophet Isaiah was addressing the king. He was talking about the king, Jesus, that's going to come generations later. All of a sudden, but he was addressing the king at that moment. So when you think about this, it's like for all of us, when we receive God's word, we need to realize that God sees deeper than what we could have ever um, um, seen or imagined. And it's more profound. And so for us, sometimes it might not make sense. We might have questions. We might not know what to do or what actions to take. But the bottom line is that God's vantage point is beyond ours. And we could trust him. We could trust him. And for me, it's a blessing to know that we have a God that we could trust. We have a God that sees things before it happens. We have a God that knows it all. Because even when there's curveballs in our lives, even when there's tragedies, when there's sadness, when there's things that come that break us and shatter us, we know that we could turn to God. And God is there because he sees things beyond everything that we are able to see. You see, it's not not until the first book of the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, that the prophecy of Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 comes up. In Matthew chapter one, verses 22 to 23, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Which prophet? Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Something that's interesting in the New Testament, Jesus has a title 17 times, son of David. Like we we know many titles of Jesus, But son of David is mentioned 17 times in the New Testament, referring to Jesus. How could Jesus be the son of David? You know, it doesn't make sense. You know, like literally David lived a thousand years before Jesus. So how could that be possible? It's not referring, of course, physically, he's the son of David. But it's acknowledging the house of David, the king that was to come to reign In the lineage of David is Jesus. And that's why he has the title, the son of David. So for us, that's the first one, a sign. The second one is a location that we see. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says this It says, But you, Bethlehem, Epiphah, through you are small, um, though you are small among the clans of Judah out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient days. So here, all of a sudden, you see a prophecy that's highlighting Bethlehem. And we know that it mentions Ephrathah, where here, that's referring to the district of where Bethlehem was. The same way, like I was born in Uh, Sheridan Avenue. Well, I wasn't born on Sheridan Avenue, but I lived on Sheridan Avenue, Elizabeth, for a very long time. Um, But there's a lot of Sheridan Avenues around. Uh, I know Roselle Park has a Sheridan Avenue. So just to distinguish the area I was born, like I would say Sheridan Avenue, Elizabeth, that's where I grew up, is the same thing here. So Bethlehem was known in other places, but then they also added the district so you could know as well. Now, Micah was a prophet during the same time of Isaiah. And in the same way here, like, you know, like if you read the book, there's judgments and there's so many things being addressed. And then in the middle of everything, there's this promise being said that someone is going to come out of Bethlehem. So during that time, if you're hearing this, it doesn't make sense because Bethlehem is a place that's completely insignificant. Back then, it was insignificant. Like, and in some ways, like, you know, like, I love my city here in the city of Elizabeth, but sometimes when I go to other places in New Jersey and I talk to other people that live in other towns or other Rich areas, you could say. And they asked me, it's like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Elizabeth. And I say it as proud as I could be, because I love my city. And and I was like, I'm from Elizabeth. And you could, they don't say it to me, because it will be disrespectful. But you could tell in their face, like, oh, and you're here? You know, like kind of like you didn't get shot on the way here or something. Like, you know, like in their minds, they're like, How could you be from Elizabeth? Like to them, it's Elizabeth is insignificant. Nothing good could come out of Elizabeth. Bethlehem, in that sense, the way that people saw it was like that, that it was insignificant. Nothing good could come out of Bethlehem. And just there's literally, and this is the thing, not only during the time of the prophet Micah, during that time period, but also while Jesus lived. While Jesus lived, Bethlehem wasn't a place to go to. Now, obviously, if I would say, hey, next year we're having a trip to Israel, we're going to go visit Bethlehem. There's, there's, no, there's no excitement? Like, I, I, I was actually gauging if that's something you would want to do like next year. But let's say we go to Bethlehem next year or the following year. Many of you know that we we're planning a trip to Israel before COVID hit, and we we're postponing it. So definitely in the future there will be a time we're going to have a trip to Israel. So that will be something we'll let you know about. But if I tell you that we will eventually go to Bethlehem, you'd be excited about it because it's a place to go now to see and to be excited about. But back then, there was no excitement about it. There's a point that I want you to take home and realize, and it's this. God is in the business of raising up the most unlikely people or places to create the most significant impact. He's in the business of raising up the most unlikely people or places to create the most significant impact. Here there's a place where no one cared for, and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was going to be born there. So I don't know about you, but maybe you're here today and you feel like you're insignificant or you feel that where you're from is insignificant and there's nothing that could happen, any good that could come out of your life or where you're from. I just want to let you know those are lies from the devil because God has plans for every single one of us. He has plans for our lives. But what ends up happening is a lot of times his plans are not fulfilled, not because he doesn't do his part. It's just because we've believed the lies of the devil. We've listened more to the chorus of the enemy singing in the background of our lives than the truths and the principles that God has established through scripture. And he reminds you: it's like, hey, I want to raise you up. I want to take you to the place where you need to go. And I know that your surroundings might seem insignificant. You might be in a job right now that you absolutely hate. You might be in a situation or in a family situation that you just feel like what could come out of the the situation that you're in, no matter what circumstances you're surrounded in. It's amazing to know that we have a God that sees. We have a God that hears. We have a God that feels. We have a God that speaks. We have a God that's able to turn things upside down in a blink of an eye. We have a God that's powerful that we could count on. Something that's interesting too about Bethlehem is the word Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread, the word Bethlehem. And if you remember, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. I know when I said house of bread in Bethlehem, some of you guys were starting to get hungry when I was saying about bread. I don't know what type of bread Bethlehem, you know, like the house of bread. It's not buñuelos or pan de bono or I don't know what type of bread it was. Like when you say, when, when at that time that had that reputation, you could say. But I tell you, just knowing that Jesus is the bread of life and that Jesus came from Bethlehem. And that's the bread that every single one of us needs to have. Something on the side that's really interesting about Bethlehem is that in Bethlehem, it was known that they would raise the sheep to get slaughtered for Passover. So the sheep were known to be raised in Bethlehem to eventually be slaughtered in for Passover. Now obviously sheep could be raised in other locations, but Bethlehem had that reputation. And just to know that it had the name House of Bread and Jesus said I'm the bread of life, knowing that it had the reputation that the sheep there were slaughtered for Passover and knowing that Jesus was going to be the sheep that was going to be slaughtered for every single one of us as well. The third point that I want to bring up is a purpose. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. So here you see King David being mentioned in his throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I don't know about you, but that passage alone, I I can leave. Like, yeah, there's nothing else to say. Like that, that passage right there is so powerful just in reading it and just seeing what, what's being said. Now, think about this. This is, again, here, here you have the prophet Isaiah. And in the midst of everything, there's this prophetic hint, you could say. And it's a very strong hint of what's going to happen in the future. But think about anyone that's hearing it at that time. It didn't make sense. Like, you know, like, kind of like, okay, I get it. But we, we want it to happen now, they don't want to wait for it in the future. And then here we see um, so many things that are so powerful. One, it's an announcement that there's a child coming, but it's very clear that this is not your ordinary child. This is, this is not your ordinary child. One, he's a king that will reign, and, his gov- and the government will be on his shoulders His reign will have no end. And how I mentioned again about David's throne, showing that he is from the line of David and that his lineage, that he is the king to come. So we know that he's a king. And you know what? It's interesting because we love the fact that Jesus is a king, but we don't like so often when we have to make him king of our own hearts. If he's king of the universe and he's king over everything, obviously we have to surrender and let him be the king of our own hearts. I don't know where you are today or where your heart is when it comes to that. But God didn't come just to be the king of the universe and the earth. He came to be the king of our hearts and lives. And what's amazing is that for that kingship to happen... You have to surrender your heart to him. And so many of us, we, we like Jesus as a friend. We love Jesus as a friend. We love Jesus when he, he's going to give us blessings and gifts. We love blessings and gifts. We love Jesus if he's going to heal us. Yes, bring, bring the gifts, Jesus. So many of us, we love the gifts, but we don't love the giver equally because if we love the giver, we would obey his commands and his commands is for him to be king. So I don't know the version of Jesus that you want to have in your own life, but the version that we need to have is him being the king of our lives. And, when, and if he's king, guess who rules? It's not a trick question. It's not a trick question. I know. Jesus. Jesus rules. Jesus rules. And we have to allow that space where he rules in our life every single day. Not just once a week. Not When you give him the title of king, he's king always. Always. So right there we know that uh, it was mentioned he was king. Then what I love, it mentions other titles about Jesus. One wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but I need a counselor every day of my life. I do. I do. un poquito I need a little counselor every day of my life. So I'm a little crazy. So how many of you need a counselor every day of your life? He's not just a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And I don't know where you are today, if you're going through something. And sometimes you feel like you have no one to talk to. You have a wonderful counselor to talk to. You have someone that's going to love on you, that's going to be able to pour his life into you, transform you, and be able to be there with you every step of the way. And what's amazing is that he's not there just to listen, but he's there to speak. And he wants to speak into your life. So many times we spend time with God, but all we do is we talk. But we don't pause to listen. And he wants, think about relationships. If all, if one relationship, let's say your wife, all she does is talk and you never talk back. How good is that relationship? Or vice versa. Some of you are like, that might be a blessing in disguise. Like, it is like oh, no, don't, don't. You better not say amen next to your spouse. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you better not say amen, but imagine no talking. Imagine children, and we got to be careful too with children because nowadays the children are so connected to their equipment, their iPads, their phones, that there's really no conversation. So imagine if most of your life is you talking as a parent and them not talking back. That's an impact of communication. So in the same way with God, it's like if we're always doing all the talking and God's not speaking into our lives, well, he's always speaking, but us taking the time to listen, then there's something impacting that relationship. Another title, Mighty God. I'm just so happy that God is a mighty God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we don't serve a God that's weak. We don't serve a God that is not able to do the miraculous. We don't serve a God that is hindered. You know, we, we have a God that's mighty, a mighty God. The moment you feel like something is impossible for God to do, once again, you're listening to the whispers of the enemy. You whisper Nothing is impossible for God to do. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that everything we want, he will end up doing, but we just need to realize the power that he has and the might that he has. He's an everlasting father. He's an everlasting father that we could co- go to. And I don't know here your relationship with your earthly dad. And so many times we view God because of our experiences with our earthly fathers. Sometimes we end up viewing God in similar ways. Like I know in my own life, Rosie and I, we've had an amazing dad like through the years. Of course, he's no longer with us, but amazing dad. But I know there's so many people that might be here, maybe watching through a live stream as well, that they didn't have that experience with their dad. Maybe their dad didn't love them. Maybe their dad didn't care about them. Maybe their dad wasn't there for them. Maybe their dad wasn't one that cheered them along, but if anything, was a stumbling block to them. Maybe uh, maybe you have a dad that actually hurt you physically, mentally, emotionally, and in so many different ways, and it's hard for you to even imagine that you have a heavenly father someone that loves you, cares about you, and is willing to be that father figure in your life. I think for so many of us, we need to turn to God and realize that he is that father and ask him to help heal wounds within our hearts that we might have because of our experiences with our earthly father. I thank God that we have an everlasting father. And then also, what's another title? Which one did I forget? Prince of Peace. Does anybody need peace? I know I need peace every day too. I need a counselor every day. I need peace every day. We need peace every single day, especially this world. This world is really crazy right now. <laughs> like it's a little crazy right now. So so like we need peace. I mean, and, and there's so many things trying to steal your peace. Like I, I know like, All you have to do is turn on the news and and watch the news. I don't watch the news. I barely watch the news. Like, now, now what I do is just get specific headlines to be in the scoop of things. But I don't, like, sit there and watch the news because the news, I think, is very evident. No matter what side of the political or agenda or whatever you might be in, there's an agenda on both sides. They want views. They want people to turn, tune on and to see and to hear and stuff like that. And all I do know that a lot of times, whatever it is, the main message behind it is fear. The main message is fear. You Like they want to draw ratings so, so you could be afraid. So I know like now, like, of course, like it's being promoted. There's a new virus. And I think I said this before, the reality is that, In the year to come and stuff, of course, I pray that everything disappears. It hasn't disappeared yet, but of course, I pray it does. But if it doesn't, I wouldn't be surprised like every two or three months, all of a sudden, there's a new one coming out. Because there's been so many new ones already that came out. And all of a sudden, this one is gonna, let's say, it's gonna be the one, the dangerous one. And it's all about bringing fear. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that we, we're careless. I'm not saying that we don't take care of ourselves. I'm not saying that we, we don't take precautions. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's an agenda of fear. One day, there's going to be another virus, the Chupacabra virus. You know what I mean? Like, every, it comes out of all these weird names I can't even pronounce sometimes. And it, it's like, it's going to be the Chupacabra. And it came from, who knows? Like Where did the Chupacabra came from? Is it Puerto Rico? Oh, so the chupacabra virus from Puerto Rico. So all of a sudden, chupacabra virus comes, and that one is going to be bad. And all I'm saying is, don't get caught up with the voices of the world more than the voice of God. Okay? Because the voice of the world is going to steal your peace when we know that God is the prince of peace. And we need to flood our hearts and minds with God. And obviously, we're not like, like, like ignoring what's happening in the world. But we know who our King is, and who's the voice of truth that we will rely on, and we're going to confide on. Like, I know people that refuse to do anything because they're paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by fear. It, I wasn't even planning to say this, but I saw um, a little video, I don't know where I saw it, Um, Facebook or something, of uh, someone holding a possum, and um, the possum was completely passed out. Like, literally, he's holding the possum, and he's, like, opening its mouth, and possums are not that pretty on the side note. they're like I, When he opened its mouth, I was like, "Oh yeah, you say dedos." You know what I mean?" Like all of a sudden it's like opening his mouth, playing with the possum, like manipulating the po- He picked up the possum from the ground, a wild possum. This wasn't like his pet. Pepe or something like, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, this is a wild possum and he's playing with it, like opening its mouth, lifting his eyelids and stuff. And he's like one of those guys that deal with animals. And he's like, he's literally passed out. So what happened with possums, I know we say they play dead. They actually pass out when they're afraid. They like go out like complete. They're not, I used to think that they played that, that they were like with one eye open, be like, yo te veo, I see you. I see you. I'm just like, Like pretending that they're dead. No, no, no. They're completely out. And I just want to let you know that there's Christians today that are just like that possum, completely passed out because they're paralyzed by the fear that the world the news and satan and also themselves have fabricated in their own minds and not listening to the truth of God. And I've said this in the past too, sometimes the devil might look at our life and walk away and say I don't have to do anything here because you're doing a better job than I could have done. And they they would walk away because the reality is we start orchestrating stuff in our minds and hearts. And we end up being in shackles. And just like that possum, I'm with, with, with your hands bent and stuff, and letting the world manipulate you the way that this instructor was with the, this possum, letting the world manipulate you instead of relying on the prince of peace. I know that's one of the titles of the king that we serve. And I'm excited to know that he is our King, and our Prince of Peace. Something else that I love about this passage in Isaiah is the part where it says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love that. I love that. Like the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It could have have been great. Even if that part wasn't there, everything else, it was powerful. But then that's like, the, that's like the sprinkles. And now I'm, I'm, you're making me think of ice cream. I'm going to have to have ice cream soon. Those are like the sprinkles on the vanilla ice cream, okay? That's like the cherry on top. It says, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, the, that word zeal, like the root word, comes from passion. The passion of the Lord will accomplish this. And I love it because. It's an example to every single one of us, every single one of us, that there's plans that God has, but even God himself makes sure that he has the passion and the zeal. He says, my zeal is going to accomplish this. My zeal is going to accomplish this. There's a statement that's going to be behind me. It says this, everyone has a purpose. But just like God, we have to have the zeal to accomplish it. Everyone has a purpose. Every single one of us, we were knit together in our mother's womb, and God has a plan and purpose for our life. Every single one of us. There's something for us to do. The king has orders for your life to accomplish. The king has orders. But you know what happens? a lot of the things that God has for us to accomplish don't get fulfilled. Not because of God. God did his part. God knit you together, equipped you, prepared you, guided you, led you, brought you places. But you didn't have the zeal and passion to fulfill it. You didn't have the zeal and passion, the discipline, the determination to get it done. It's a two-way street. God does his part. You have to do your part. And when it comes to that, let me tell you, zeal and passion, there's so many things that quenches the zeal and passion that God wants you to have within your heart and soul the world comes over and tries to quench it. There's so many issues and problems and drama and situations at home or frustrations or worries. Sometimes we let our lives be guided so much by the worries and the problems that we never get done what we have to get done. So here, I love that because God, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We were made in God's image. So this is a principle for us to live by, that with God, what he's revealed to us, we have to have that zeal and passion to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. Some of us here, we've given up. Some of us here feel like there's nothing for you to do. Some of us here feel like, well, you've retired or you're beyond the age that God could use you, and that's a lie. That's, that's like, if anything, you, you might even have more time you could dedicate to the works of the Lord than even before. Like, there's so many different things in our lives that could put us in a box and keep us from doing what God has called us to do. You know, like, they, they, it's been said before, it's like the richest place And the entire world is a cemetery because so many people have been buried with talents, giftings, and so many things that were meant to be accomplished, but never came out and was fulfilled. I know that myself, and I could say that for all of you, I believe deep down inside your heart, you want to die empty, not empty of God, filled with God, but empty with everything that God has placed in your hands. That you did your all. When you take your last breath on this earth, you would want to know that you gave it your all. You led your life with zeal and passion and you didn't let nothing get in the way. You obeyed God and you marched forward. And if any obstacle came in the way, That obstacle either has to move out of the way or you're going to burst through it. I don't know if you know, but rhinos have very poor vision, very poor vision, rhinos. They could barely see like 10 feet in front of them, but they run like 30 miles an hour. They're not concerned about the things that might get in the way. (laughs) The rhino is like, they better move out of the way. Or they're going to get trampled across. They're going to be thrusted with the horn. They're going to be destroyed if they stand in the way. I believe that's having that zeal and passion of the Lord. You're obeying God and you refuse to let anything stop you, only God. And you're going to do what God's called you to do. Everyone has a purpose, but just like God, we have to have the zeal to accomplish it. When it comes to gifts, there's options that we could do. Some of us could decide not to receive it, to reject it. Like if someone wants to give you a gift and you just don't want to receive it at all, like sometimes you even see like those people that are trying to propose with a ring and like, you know, the, the girl, let's say, is like crying at that moment. And you think she's crying for excitement, but she's crying. It's like, nah, you no, know, never. So all of a sudden, she's running and she rejects the ring. Rejection could happen. When it comes to gifts, um, ex- you could exchange gifts. Like, I, like I, I know so many times, like, you know, like you, you might go back to the store, not accept the gift that you have, but exchange it for something else. Sometimes we might keep the gift, keep the gift, but don't appreciate it uh, just because you kept it, because you just had it. You put it in a specific place in your life. Let's say like in your house, you, you put it somewhere, you keep it, but it doesn't really mean much to, to us. Or the gift could be something that we receive, that we value, that we appreciate, that means the world to us and we never forget about it. When I started the teaching, I was talking about the perfect gift. the perfect gift that we 've received is Jesus. But in so many ways, people sometimes reject them altogether. I know there's people I've talked to, like just in life and the world, when the moment they might ask it's like, "Hey, what do you do? like where are you?" And the moment I say the p word, the pastor. Like, no, don't talk about Jesus to me. Like, sometimes I get it. Like, I'm like, why? I wasn't going to even say anything at the moment. (laughs) But you do need Jesus. (laughs) But uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, all all of a sudden, it's like they reject it automatically. Automatically. There's people that have closed their hearts to Jesus altogether. There's other people that want to exchange Jesus. They've received them, and then they try to exchange them for something else that might be more appealing to them. Jesus, you're, you want to be king of my life? No, I'd rather you be my homeboy or my friend or, you know, like just someone I could go to once in a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, like you, you, you come up with your version of Jesus that you want. You want to exchange the Jesus of the Bible. You want the Jesus that will tolerate your sin. You want the Jesus that will look away and pretend that nothing is wrong in your life. You want the Jesus that would would like be with you from the standpoint of you maintaining that lifestyle that you know you shouldn't be in, those relationships you shouldn't be in. You want the Jesus that would be okay with it. So all of a sudden you exchange Jesus for a different Jesus. Some of us might keep Jesus, but we don't really appreciate him. Like how I said before, there's certain gifts we keep. We keep it in our house and we have it like in a certain place in the house, some Christians do that same thing with Jesus. We accepted him. We realize he's real. You might even be able to keep a quote Bible verses and know so much stuff about God. But when it comes to God being king, no, 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 here. I'm gonna just keep you in this area in my life Because I don't really value and appreciate you as the perfect gift for me. But then there's some of us that realize that Jesus is the perfect gift. And it's exactly the gift that you need. Some of us, we might have been thinking even before this morning of what you want for Christmas. Let me tell you what you want for Christmas. Let me tell you what you should want every single day of your life is more of Jesus. He's the perfect gift. The perfect gift. So some of us, we've received them. We value him. We appreciate him. And we have him at the center of our lives. So my question for every single person that's here, and my question for every single person that's watching through the live stream, is this. What are you doing with the perfect gift of Jesus today? Not the day that you accepted him Because in our minds, we're like, oh, the good old days, like, you know, those days when you really followed God. No, no, I'm talking about what are you doing with Jesus today? The perfect gift, Jesus, today. If everyone could bow their heads, and I want you to answer that question in your heart. I want you to answer that question in your heart. What are you doing with Jesus? I don't care if you followed Jesus for 50 years, 60 years. What are you doing with Jesus today? Do you have Jesus in a drawer and you have him set up conveniently separated? Have you tried to exchange Jesus to a version of Jesus that you would want? Or you're deciding to surrender everything to him. So I want you to, even now, with every head um, bowed and eyes closed, I want you to talk to Jesus even now and let him know what he means to you. Father God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for every person that's here at this moment, God. We thank you, God, that as we step into this Christmas season, that in the midst of everything, we see you, God. There's so many things competing with you, God, in this world for the attention that we're supposed to give you, God. God, that we wouldn't forget what Christmas is about. That we wouldn't forget that that perfect gift that we needed is the gift that we need to open every single day of our lives, God. God, we surrender everything to you at this moment. We give you our hearts, our mind, our soul, our spirit. God, we give you our entire lives. We give you our families, our workplaces, our careers, our jobs, our hobbies, our occupations, everything, everything. Our downtime, God. We give you, God, the time periods that like for the moment we wake up until we go to sleep, Lord God, and even while we sleep, God, let our hearts always worship you, God. God, we just pray right now, Lord God, as we surrender everything to you, that you would be the king of our lives, that we wouldn't play church, that we wouldn't play having a relationship with you, that we wouldn't have a watered-down Christianity, God, but that we truly would be sold out for your kingdom, God. So God, right now we give you everything and we proclaim that you are the king that reigns in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Merry Christmas again.
0: Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelisabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.